This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of October 31st, 2020. The most important beer in U.S. history. No controversy here. The only election we're talking about is for best beer in America. It's rough indication for whiskey might be useful for finding disease, but what about the whiskey? This week in Aldi, Choco Seiko is exactly what it sounds like. All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany V. Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker, and let's get into the news. Yes, so uh, we have got All a story. Huh? All up in there. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, All up in that news. Yeah. Uh, I've never... <laughs> this is a new day in uh, times oh. when we can't use Brewbound. <laughs> Finding other sources. I was like, I've never heard of this. We are finding um, many new sources because no one wants to pay two hundred dollars a year or something for. No, it was more than that. It was. It was. It's, it was dumb. Is the point? It's. It's more than a dollar a year or a dollar a day. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So totally different source here, but we're going with it. So we are talking about the ten most important craft beers in American history. So no uh, controversy. None. Yeah. Not at all. No one has any opinions about this that could be, I don't know. Let's see what they have to say. I, yeah, so... Um, and then we will judge them from on high, like the cue of the future. <laughs> I would say of old, but it's... Well, we've covered a lot of these beers and breweries in depth over the years, so... Yeah, so, um, and they do take make a note here that uh, there are dozens of breweries that were left off the list. There's also so many you can still include um, that have altered history or the industry in their own right. So um, it notes, of course, uh, cheers to Brooklyn, Green Flash, Stone, Allagash, and so many more. And I was like, ooh, do you, Green do Flash. You wanna be, do you want to be known by Green Flash for the reason we know Green Flash? Yeah, really. No. <laughs> Um, but hey, they're kicking back in some markets. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, like retrenching, it it could work. Also, they don't seem to be in any particular order. Um, it just they're just listed. Yeah, so, this is just like a, the ten. It's not a like here's the tenth, here's the first. It's yeah, just like these are the these are just there. Um, so the first one listed is Anchor Steam Beer, which we've talked about in an episode on on Anchor Brewing and also California Common itself. I think give it give us the the rundown why. Yeah, so um, established in 1896. Uh, probably doesn't mean, uh, it doesn't seem like a logical fit in the modern craft beer world. Uh, but when Fritz Maytag, an appliance company heir, brought, uh, bought the brewery bought. in 1965, he saved a brewery on the brink of closing. Um, 1971, bottle introduction of Anchor Steam was transformative. The ensuing beer innovation would drive many breweries to open in the following years. Anchor Steam alone is among the most important craft beers, but add in numerous others like their Liberty Ale, Porter, 
um, Christmas ale and their old foghorn barley wine. So uh, you've, they've kind of got a lot of contributions to, to so, consider. I mean, for, for a big chunk of this, like they predate almost most of the modern craft beer movement. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't already heard it, we have a whole episode on Anchor Brewing and the California Common. Uh, go check out that episode, but it's basically like an hour-long circle jerk about <laughs> how amazing Anchor is. Because, yeah, we do owe modern craft beer owes everything to them. Like, just the entire nature of what they were doing, the, like, Franken-brew thing, like, putting... Because mm-hmm. they took old... Uh, um, was the milk? Yeah, it was old yeah. milk equipment to brew yeah. beer. And like, well, like, so, yeah, because they, they, yeah, because we can get, we, never mind. I'm going I'm to start thing. into the, the same thing. episode yeah. again. <laughs> but but the, the, the consistency you get from a small company from their method of making stuff kind of changes the game. So, yeah, very important. And so I totally understand why they're on the list. And um, it's their, what they started there leads into the next one. Yeah. So Sierra Nevada Pale Ale from Sierra Nevada Brewing. Um, the beer craft, the beers craft fans love. Um, so hop forward, citrusy, piney ales. We all, I think we've all experienced a, a, a range of Sierra Nevada at this point. Um, every took craft me, brewer. Took me a while to come around to them, but once <laughs> once you embrace yeah. the hop. <laughs> it just sucks you Once in. you eat hop nuggets. It's, uh, <laughs> every craft brewer looks up to Ken Grossman and Sierra Nevada, f- and for good reason. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale uses the fantastic and now iconic American-grown Cascade hops. The familiar green label made its w- way slowly across America, but is now nearly as ubiquitous in bars and liquor stores as the major brands. So, uh, and it also says it even made Grossman a billionaire. So there's that. Speaking of billionaires, indeed, we have heard that on a recent news well, episode. Okay, before we oh, transition sorry. over, I was just going to say, uh, no one has any complaints. Like, there's no... Yeah, no. Uh, Sierra we Nevada. Just, yep, we've done that's... a couple of episodes <laughs> recently. Didn't we? Yeah, we did the, just the pale ale, where it was that one was like 20 minutes of a circle jerk about... <laughs> and Sierra Nevada pale ale. Like, oh, there, there would be no... You know, IPAs and pale ales would not be what they are today without that beer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, so far, these you, are spot on. And you wouldn't... You said you wouldn't have the... the the reaction to try to go back the other way with your, your yeah. New England mm. without having yep. to set the ground. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yes, on, uh, on the billionaire train, keeping it going, um, Samuel Adams Boston Lager from Boston Beer Company. Um, we, spe- we say the billionaire thing. This was actually written before that announcement, but Jim Cook, founder of Sam Adams, uh, recently became a billionaire. So, um, a ballast point? <laughs> Um, he could buy and sell as many ballast points as he wants now. Mm. Ballast point now, that is. Well, yeah, it's oh, yeah, worth about yeah. a dollar. <laughs> he could he could fund that from his pocket change. Indeed. Uh, so he came up with a business plan for Boston Beer Company and found a brewery to mass produce his family's old lager recipe. No brewery has gone head to head with the likes of Miller Coors like Sam Adams. The fruit of Cook's labor is Samuel Adams being a brewery everyone knows even if they don't pay attention to beer. That is yeah. true. <laughs> and and they knew the way to the way to get in is to make sure you're you're that other thing next to your Bud Miller mm. Coors. That you can you can always almost always guarantee a Boston lager will <laughs> is going to be your default. Um, yeah. 
along the same lines, really, uh, Blue Moon from Blue Moon Brewing, which, um, oh, <laughs> uh, not technically a craft beer, which is important to note. Well, We've also discussed this in a, in a previous episode, too, on, I what was it, Coors, I think, owns them? Yeah. 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 Um, so it was developed by Coors and owned by Miller Coors, but Blue Moon's influence can't be taken lightly. How many, uh, how many drinkers have been introduced to the idea of more flavorful beer through a glass of Blue Moon and an orange slice? Too many to count, it says. Yeah, that's... Uh, There's, <laughs> they make a case... That, that, that's, that's an interesting case to make. However, my counter-argument is they're not craft. Yeah, and, not and craft. therefore the list is... The, the title is misleading. It could... It is, so... It would be a lot of non-craft beer drinkers or current craft beer drinkers. It was probably their first, first not well. I, I want to say non-traditional, but non-traditional for the U.S. for the first like yeah. Belgian yeast yeah. beer they'd ever had. Is yeah. that it? Just and, means, and um, it, it shouldn't. It should just be beers. Then it shouldn't be craft beers in the title. Is all for the list. No. I mean, if it was that, then you would have to include Bud and Budweiser. Yeah. Damn it, because. Yeah, yeah. It's, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like I, I would say it's it's not craft. How can you count that? But also, I I, I agree with Chris's point. It's yeah. It is the 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 you know your first toe in the water as you work your way towards the first non Bud Coors Miller whatever. Not everyone jumps in on like a, a Trace <laughs> Fontaine or something like that. Like this is odds are the first thing that led you to those beers. Is like yeah. Cantillon or something like that is going to have been a blue moon. That was like the yeah. very first. If you look back far enough, you're, that was the first thing that sparked your interest. Oh, e- mm, even tart, if it's tart beers, even if its flavor comes from you literally putting an orange on it. <laughs> yeah. Fact. Well, and then at the other end of the spectrum, uh, <laughs> Bourbon County Stout from Goose. The creation Island. of the whale. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, dead on. So Goose Island released a big boozy stout aged in used whiskey barrels. No beer could have seemed crazier. It might not have been a gold mine to start, but Goose Island maintained its course as one of the mo- one of the more innovative breweries throughout the early craft movement and today is renowned for Bourbon County Stout. Goose Island now caught and continues um sorry and continues to catch some flack for selling to Anheuser-Busch uh, as the mega brewer tries to get small but which yeah, but with pretty much every one of the more than 7,000 breweries in the U.S. making a barrel-aged beer, uh, its influence is widely felt. That is very yep. true. Uh, very important beer, uh, even if you want to give them crap for selling out like I do. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think Bourbon County is probably I give the only them crap. <laughs> I give them crap. I'll still buy that beer. Yeah, yeah no, That's... yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> That's like, I'll, I'll still get it. I'll still drink it. But yeah, it is. Mm, we wouldn't Taste have... the hypocrisy. It's... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we wouldn't have bourbon barrel aged, or we may have eventually, but they started it like that's what got the ball rolling. Yeah. Yeah. And then their variants only made the world crazier with that stuff. Um, next, probably not as common for people to have tried, but uh, delicious beer nevertheless. La Folie from New Belgium. Uh, so speaking of wood aging beers, New Belgium Brewing is a, lead- is a leader in U.S. terms of wood aged sour beers, an extremely deep category for, full of complex flavors. Former brewer Peter Baukart? Question mark. Bo- Bokart. Sure. 
uh, came from Belgium and brought a wealth of knowledge, including the brown sour ale La Folie, which has since informed a legion of sour brewers in the United States. Uh, but talking about New Belgium, Fat Tire Amber Ale can't be forgotten as it's forged a path in the past two, nearly three decades for all its beers or, and is an incredible gateway beer. So, yeah. Um, now, I, I was going to say, though, when they mentioned the, the brewer coming over, bringing <laughs> a knowledge of sour, I was like, is that also like when the founder came over with his stolen yeast? <laughs> yeah, he smuggled yeast. Yeast heist. <laughs> well, I mean, he... Live he asked politely still... if he could if he no. could steal it. <laughs> he didn't he take it from the bottles. I think so because there were still live cultures in the bottles. So he just met, he like fed them sugar and kept them alive in the bottles and then brought them back that way. Uh, but yeah, that's what, exactly what I was gonna say. He brought more than knowledge, or if by knowledge you mean yeast. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeast is beer. I still uh, okay. Throwback to Drinktacular. I know there were like nine of us, but. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, we had a great time uh, at the New Belgium Asheville Brewery on the tour when he's pouring us lawfully uh, behind the scenes and he starts to talk about it. <laughs> and he starts to pour them and he goes, so this was the first uh, sour beer, or yeah, this is the first sour beer in the U.S. And then mm. so we stopped and because the Wicked Weed thing had just happened, we're like, wait, I thought Anheuser-Busch just introduced the first sour beer in the U.S., I just, just remember him looking at us going, I knew I was going to like you guys. Because <laughs> <laughs> we all just looked at him with big sarcastic smiles. Yeah. He was like, I knew I was going to like you guys. <laughs> and then from then on, he was pouring us like overflowing drafts. And oh, we... <laughs> Surprised he didn't let us just like put our mouths to the bright tank. <laughs> oh, wait, he did three times. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, another brewery that we're passionate about. Dogfish Head. And this is specifically talking about the Worldwide Stout. God, I remember having that on the show for the first time and me screaming its ABV into the mic. <laughs> like, 18 goddamn percent! <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, Dogfish Head Brewery really could be on this list for any number of beers, but we'll go with the Worldwide Stout. Founder Sam Calgioni is one of the celebrities of the beer industry and is as imaginative a brewer as there is. Worldwide Stout was one of the first extreme beers he made, bringing in an insane amount of barley and hiking up the alcohol percentage to nearly 20%. 18! Uh, <laughs> Goddamn! Uh, yeah, uh, Dogfish Head also innovated with its 60-minute IPA, an insanely potent 120-minute IPA, which is delicious, uh, as well as a plethora of beer using strange ingredients to help flavor beers. Just like many of the other breweries on this list, an entire list could be made from only dogfish head beers. Um, so when so it comes true. to dogfish, <laughs> mm, I, I don't think Worldwide uh, Stout should be the one. I do think it should be uh, it should, 60 it should be one of the, Yeah, so it should, I think 60 minutes once you get you started. So I think it should, oh, I think it yeah, should yeah, be yeah. 60. Yeah, no, that's right. I think 60 minutes should have been. The but then one you also. Worldwide's still delicious. I mean. But I agree with them that, like, you could just list most of Dogfish Head's beers and just, just be like. Just put here. Dogfish Head. <laughs> like, yeah, don't even list a beer and just be like them. Basically, dogfish everything head. except Namaste. Like. Well, I like that, Namaste. That, it does nothing for the beer world. Nah, that's true. Uh, next up, Lagunitas IPA. So, uh, yeah, we've talked you want, about you the, like. Do you like weed? guess what 
They do too. Um, <laughs> we've talked about them many a time. Or they on did the show. until they sold to Heineken. Uh, the craft beer movement needed a poster child, and the aggressively hopped West Coast IPAs gave it just that. The style is divisive, often too bitter for many, and certainly not a great entry-level beer. <laughs> no. no. Uh, but it was so different from the macro lagers, it was perfect to separate the ideas of beer. There are many options. Green Flash even named its IPA West Coast IPA. But Lagunitas is the best-selling IPA in the nation, and a delicious example at that. Someone does have like a West Coast IPA named Tupac, right? Uh, yeah, Listerman. Have to, yeah. I was say I thought I thought Listerman had one. Yeah, uh, they, I, I was thinking like, like they had to have like a Biggie and Tupac release. So yeah, they yeah. do them an East Coast and a West Coast. They yeah. release them together now. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Dale's Pale Ale from Oscar Blues, um, a brew we've talked about but not at length. Have we? We haven't done an episode on them, have we? Yes, we did. Did we? Yeah, uh, I was. I think we did. Maybe it's been a minute. They're, oh, the yeah, oh, they they're, they're with they're with the um, the, right, right, right. They the group. are the collective. <laughs> that's why. That's why it wasn't sticking is, out to my head. Resistance <laughs> is futile. Drink pale ale. <laughs> yeah. Dale made it. You know, I don't think I've ever had a Dale's pale ale. I don't. I haven't either. I, I, I don't like remember two if Oscar I, Blues. Most of the time, I what's the thing we get from them? Uh, the like brown ale. Oil. They have a brown? stout that's something, don't they? Oh. It's a Oh, um I thought it was a brown ale. Uh, um No, I don't know. Gosh, okay. Anyway, so we're going to figure that out. But uh for this beer, um for years 1050. 1050. Ah, 1050. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Uh cans were reserved for the macro beers. The aluminum containers were said to be the inferior container for beer. Then along came Colorado's Oscar Blues and the canned Dale's Pale Ale in the early 2000s. Now it's Actually almost a good point. <laughs> yeah, that's now it's almost uncool to be be in bottles as cans offer a superior container to preserve beer's freshness and allow beer to go so many places. Glass isn't allowed. Yeah, that uh, just for the can fact is one of the things that puts them in there. Oh, let's just read uh, brewery and beers. From here, we, we got to get this moving. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, Hetty Topper is next from The Alchemist. It's, uh, it's the last one. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh well, that's the last that, one. <laughs> all right, then. Never mind. <laughs> they invented uh, the New England IPA. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Basically. Hazy IPAs. That's where they came from. Yep. So, pretty all fine. Right. But yes. Well, uh, I guess keeping it on a relatively same track here, <laughs> we're going to get into, I don't know, this could be a, a little controversial. I don't know. Uh, so the best beers in America, according to the Home Brewers Association. Uh, guess what number one is? Or wait, how do we start uh, this? Scroll down, scroll down, let's, scroll down. Let's, let's build suspense. Let's let's work our way up. Mm. Okay, so we'll start number 10. Uh, this one, I think there were three of them I had issue yeah, let's, with. I was going to say, let's go. With, there's three on here that we can't get in our uh, local market right now, mm, mm. which says how lucky we are. So yeah. number 10, uh, I agree. North Coast's Old Rasputin. Mm. Yeah, that's actually a good spot for that. Had it recently, and it was just like, no, that that thing stands up. It's, st- it's still good. I still have a couple. I still have like a bottle or two left. I'm kind of like, it's getting cold now. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna warm up next to the non fire because <laughs> I don't like burning stuff down. Next to the Netflix fire, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, just you'll you log. Know, drink drink from the blood of a of a crazy Russian monk. Because I have to assume he bled stout. 
They probably bled wine, but you know. Yeah, uh, that's true. He probably <laughs> bled poison. <laughs> In the end, yes. So, okay. Number nine, Deschutes Fresh Squeezed. Eh, uh, that, that beer has been what has saved Deschutes. Like, it gave them yeah. a new lease on life. I do not prefer it from Deschutes. But, it, again, that's the one I kind of have an issue with. Uh, so, we have a tie. for So, there's no eighth because it's a tie for seventh. Yeah. Seventh. And it is Founders KBS. Hmm. And Boulevard's Tank 7 Farmhouse Ale. Both great beers. I, I don't know if I've had Tank 7. I... And if it's... Hmm. To be ranked the same as KBS, which I, I really love KBS. Yeah. I, God, I feel like I've had it, but I don't recall. There are two, I, I don't... two variants of KBS on shelves right now. You can get the Espresso mm. and the uh, Chocolate Fudge. <sighs> KBS. That's I don't fine. know if I agree with the next one. Okay, uh, so uh, again, uh, Tank mm. 7 and KBS can get here. KBS, you're around now. Mm. Uh, number six, Three Floyd's Zombie Dust. So why don't you agree? I think Zombie Dust is overrated. A lot of people think it's Thank over- you. A lot of people think it's very <laughs> overrated. Uh, I think it's a good beer. The world agrees it is overpriced. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> It costs three times as much as the number one on this list and is almost the same beer. Yeah, that's bananas. So, okay, okay uh, number five, Bell's Hop Slam. Agree. Hop Slam is pretty, it, yeah. The price it's is coming pretty down good. on Hop Slam. So, and it's, oh, and it's available. Get that thing fresh, and it's, the, it's more available jam. every year. Yeah. Uh, so, number four, bar, borrowing from our last story, The Alchemist's Heady Topper. Don't one know. Of the, one of the few that's not in uh, our region. We've had that one. Yeah. But we get it's it. been a minute. So uh, Some of our, you have had that one. <laughs> You've had it. I don't think so. Or if I had, I was I was drunk. No, that you can't drunk trust drunk me. I was on the <laughs> <All> moon. <right. laughs> uh, I don't think anyone wow, here is going to disagree. Yeah. Number three, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> I mean, that's uh, I might I might put it lower, but yeah, it it belongs to the top ten. Hmm. And number two, not available in our region or our coast. Uh, Russian Rivers Pliny the Elder. Never had it. Couldn't tell you. Yeah, I hear it's good. I hear Here's, it used to be number one. <laughs> it used to be number one until four years ago when this one came along and took the number one spot and is never going to let it go. Hmm. Bell's Two-Hearted Ale. Four more years. Four, <laughs> Four more, more years. years. Uh, it's uh, so crazy. Mostly just to, just to drive Casey nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the fourth year in a row that the American Homebrew Association has uh, decided that Two-Hearted is the best beer in the country. And that's when I said we just need to throw away this now and just they're never going to change their minds. It's, it's just going to be Two-Hearted now, forever. And we've mentioned this before, but they don't vote. Like, everyone doesn't go, well, Bell's is num- number one. They have, like, a weighted list that's, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, I'm certain someone has Bell's as their number one, but I, I would imagine there's a bunch there, like, well, it's in the top ten, and it pops up in the top ten enough that it yeah. makes its way up the list. Yeah, where but. it's so available, and it is so solid of a beer, everyone, it makes it high up on everyone's list, and when you have 
a single beer that touches in every single person's list that's just going to throw it all the way to the top. That's yeah. all it takes because everyone else is like, oh, well, this you know this beer from my local brewery down the road here has oh that one's I'd say that's the best. And when everyone's top ten is full of hard to get beers that a lot of people have never had. Guess what? The one that everybody has had shoots to the top. Because it's the best. All around. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, if you've got a problem with any of those, just add us. Or just add the Homebrewers Association. Yeah, yeah add them. Fault, really. I, 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 I didn't do that list. We don't need this. Yeah. We I, agree with with the th- I agree with the things that are in that list. I may reorder that list, but... Yeah, that's what it comes down to. Uh I mean, and I've had things that I think are better, but I'm never going to get them again. Mm. You know, they're they're gone to the ether, never to be given, never to pass my lips again. El Coco, El Coco. Uh, well, uh, perhaps, perhaps I got no segue for this. There's a new <laughs> laser authentication technique for whiskey, but maybe we can use it for something else too. Uh, perhaps to detect disease. Because whiskey is a big business in Scotland. Uh, it's 75% of the nation's food and drink exports, and it's a value of about 5 billion pounds to the Scottish economy. That feels like it is the Scottish economy outside of mining. Uh, tourism is the Scottish economy. So I would say, uh, no, Scotch is now. Because the yeah. tourism's dead. The, mm. Yeah. Because 2020? It's dead. Uh, Iconic bottles have sold over a million pounds, but if you are a lucky owner of such whiskey, how can you be sure what you have is a genuine product? Uh, there are studies that have found that around one-third of rare whiskeys at that uh, on sale at auction may be fake, which makes makes poor broke me laugh with schadenfreude and joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I'll never make it to a whiskey auction. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> sucks to be you. <laughs> Your one third chance of, you know, bathtub gin. <laughs> well, in a well publicized incident in 2017, a collector paid a world record of 76,000 pounds for a single dram of rare whiskey, only wow. to discover he had been sold a knockoff. Oh, God. That yeah. amount. I would, I would never <laughs> believe, just... like. I have issue like if I'm getting a fifty dollar dram mm. um, from an opened already opened bottle, I'm like always just going, eh, did they just refill this with something else? Can you just imagine him going, oh, it's it's superior. The taste is just perfect. I can't can't believe it's so good. And someone comes up to him there. Yeah. By the way, that was a uh, uh, that was a uh, uh, oh, uh, that was Clan McGregor. They just. Uh, <laughs> He just pulled that thing off the bottom, out of the well there, and just yeah. poured it to you. Phew. No. Anyway, uh, counterfeit drinks in the uh, cost the UK economy around two hundred million in lost revenue each year. Well, wow. that's a lot. Uh, but the counterfeit restricted not only wealthy collectors. Several cases have been reported of people drinking. Po- uh, uh, the re- cases have been reported of people drink uh, people being poisoned and dying from drinking whiskey containing high levels of poisonous methanol. Jesus. And now it's less funny. Mm. Uh, but soon this kind of problem may be a thing of the past as uh, research has helped us develop a new method that can uh, use lasers to chemically test the authenticity of whiskey. Lasers. <laughs> 
uh, without ever opening the bottle. And crucially, the technique has the potential to measure other substances this way, including human tissue. So, yeah, so you can find out if if you're sick. So they can see if you're sick or they can test my uh, ABV. So they should do what's important and test your ABV. Exactly. Well, exactly. when the how, how heavy is his blood? <laughs> He's running at about uh, about seven, steady seven percent. Hmm. Says here he's roughly one beer. <laughs> oh, like he's he's had one beer? No, <laughs> he's five percent alcohol at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh. So when a laser laser beam is shown into a substance like whiskey, the liquid scatter to uh, some of the light in a diver- uh, variety of different colors. The exact mix of colors produced is a unique chemical to, uh, is unique to the chemical makeup of the sample and can be used as a fingerprint to identify the sample. So the technique measuring this fingerprint, which gives us a detailed understanding of the uh, interaction between light and atoms and its molecules, is known up as uh, spectro- uh, spectro- spectroscopy. Uh, Close enough. Just like a fingerprint identifying criminals, they identify whiskey with a cross-reference spectroscopic signal against a database of known samples. So you got to have to have something in there and recorded to know that it's working. Got to be in the database. Uh, probably cause some trouble when they get to Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see what this. Why is this white? Well, I know it's not ancient, but what have you got in this thing? The colors. Oh, God, the colors. <laughs> uh, Whiskey is a particularly complex complex mix of chemicals uh, known as cognigers, cog, yeah, uh, which give contact, uh, contents of each cask a unique flavor, aroma, and color. While criminals have been increasingly sophisticated mixing and mimicking the taste, smell, and appearance of sought-after drams, to fool the system requires the sham whiskey to be chemically identical to the real thing. So at that point, it's you've just, just a- made the... Just made the thing again. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you, uh, so you can't counterfeit, but if it's so good that no one, like it's chemically the same and you're able to pull off the flavor profile, that's one of those, I don't see what the, the huge if, issue is. Yeah. Uh, then you should just be going into business. <laughs> if, <laughs> like the whiskey, <laughs> if the whiskey barrel falls in the woods and no one's <laughs> around to drink it, does it make you sad? Yeah. Yes. Shed a tear. I don't know why, but I shed a tear. Uh, anyway, they uh, we've been developing uh, spectroscopy-based tests for whiskey authenticity for over a decade. The method can be used on other food and drinks. Counterfeiting there could be a problem, such as olive oil, wine, and honey. Counterfeit honey. What was it made by wasps? <laughs> like that one's weird to me. Uh, olive oil, I get though. Like that can that's a a bit. Uh, but yeah they they go on to mention that there are some other useful benefits Uh, they've recently shown that you can use a similar laser based approach to measure bacteria and test the response to antibiotics Hmm. Uh, method of laser light offers the potential advantage of telling us the chemical makeup of what uh, they see with a high resolution a much cheaper and more compact setup than MRI scanners uh, performing vital diagnosis Hmm. so there are there are some things to help there, but primarily we're going to be using it for whiskey. It seems like because you know At least that seems 
<laughs> I mean, look, we're all going to keep dying, but maybe we can fix this whiskey problem. Why put it into the healthcare industry when we can uh, use it to solve some whiskey counterfeiting? Hmm. You know what's not getting counterfeited? Well, the stuff from Aldi. No, because they the stuff, do it the other way around. Yeah, I was going to say, all the stuff from Aldi is counterfeit <laughs> like, from someone else. <laughs> well, uh, this week in Aldi, they have a chocolate Prosecco. Because, of course, they do. <laughs> Except for that. That's a very uniquely Aldi thing. <laughs> Except the, bo- the... No, no. So the bottle... First of all, I love the, I love the bottle, but it looks like Godiva. I was going to say, it looks like Godiva and a wine bottle. Yeah. Did, you know, didn't use protection. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, at the same time, like, I like Godiva and I kind of like that bottle. Anyway, uh, Aldi has quickly become a go-to place for anyone looking for unconventional boozy drinks. That's Yes, that's a way to put that. Their summer drinks like margarita wine and bottled mimosas were a huge hit this year. And now for the holidays, there's an interesting lineup of liquor coming to the grocery store chain. One of the craziest options is a chocolate Prosecco that blends a sweet and rich taste with the bubbly drink people love. People love it? Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, people do love Prosecco. Um, I wish I, were, I wish I were one of them. <laughs> well, maybe maybe you just needed some chocolate. I am very willing to try this if it's available to us for that matter. It's not. It, 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 anything that's alcoholic from Aldi, I'm pretty sure, is not available to us. Yeah, it's yeah. only in the EU. That's just how it works. Um, There's right. an Aldi right down the street. They don't have any of this. Um, so Choco Seco is appropriately named by combining the two flavors, chocolate and Prosecco together. Prosecco by itself is a sparkling wine, often used for special occasions and fancy cocktails. With the added chocolate taste, it's given a whole new life. Chocolate and Prosecco pair well together normally, so there's no question the drink will be a refreshingly new take on the pairing. They, this- feed, they feed the chocolate straight to the grapes. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> Obviously, they set chocolate in front of the vine of grapes, and the next morning they come back and the chocolate's gone. Obviously, the Prosecco has eaten it. (laughs) I, for some reason, I just pictured like chocolate covered grapes, and I'm like, yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Uh, So, this is the first year Choco Seco is being offered at Aldi, but because of the recent popularity of the alcohol selection at the grocery store, it will probably be a big hit this year. It'll hit shelves on November 25th for $6.99 which is a U.S. thing. Uh, so you can pick up a <laughs> bottle for dessert drinking on Thanksgiving after your big dinner. With- so um, just to say, it, this is the first year it's being offered. Not to say it's the first year it's been made. No, that's what it said. Yeah. No, it says, yeah. It's it, the- this isn't the first year Choco Seco is being offered. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. They've had four. Yeah. yeah, I probably just read it weird. But um, so... Then uh, you you might also pick up Choco Seco for December thirty first to remind yourself that life is indeed very sweet. So blah blah blah. Yes. Yes. Get some for New Year's Eve so you can throw up that sparkly, refreshing chocolate nastiness. No, I'm just picturing how sticky that must be when it pops out of that thing and people are spraying it on everything. Like ah. Oh. Yeah. I I'm so okay, I'm imagining I, it somehow as sticky as chocolate and dried does, wine. Does it tint it? So is it like a brown tint? It's got to it be right. Brown, brown wine. <laughs> oh god. <Ooh. laughs> Poop far from me. Yeah, that's where my mind was yeah. going. All right. But okay, it does not say, oh, this will only be limited to X area. Like $6.99, definitely a US currency, so I'm wondering like, okay, 
I'm going to find Paris Converting, but I, I, I doubt you'll be able to find it at least near us, maybe okay. elsewhere in the yeah, country. Yeah, that's true. All right. Your liquor laws may vary. <laughs> Speaking well, of varying, indeed. who turned 30? Yeah, None me. of us. <laughs> me, five years ago. Mm. So, uh, but Breckenridge, hey, guess what? They're 30. Celebrate your dirty thirties by showing or by showering in free beer or by drinking. Is that, it. Is that what our thirties are called? The dirty thirties. Mine's just full of back pain. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> Yours more legitimately, yes. I mean, everyone's pain is legitimate, Chris. <laughs> Fact. Colorado-based Breckenridge Brewery is celebrating its thirtieth anniversary by offering free twelve packs for anyone born in nineteen ninety. Applicants God. have to, yeah, feel old. It's terrible. It's a terrible year. Have to purchase the brewery's 30th anniversary throwback pack, then file for a rebate online with the offer number AB2930. The AB stands for Anheuser Busch because they own them. Yeah, but also, I'm looking at these bottles and I'm like, man, those do look very 90s, like well, 90s problem- beer. <laughs> Wait, where's the? That, oh, that's yeah, because it's, it's some of their old, yeah. old yeah. The You keep scrolling past it. Sorry. The process is simpler than it sounds. Uh, once you have a valid receipt and file it online, the brewery emails over an e-gift card to cover the purchase. Oh, well, good. It, I can buy more Breckenridge stuff from Anheuser-Busch. Like, it? It's good for what? Buying some like shirts or stickers from their website. Maybe store? it's also good for buying... Like, maybe it lets you buy other Anheuser-Busch products. Then you could go buy some pernicious, maybe. Uh, while it might not be the free pour you were used to in your 20s, the anniversary pack comes with a new release and three different legacy brews to help you celebrate turning 30. Mm. They do say here that it's the third oldest craft brewery in Colorado, which is a, is a very specific distinction. Like, yeah, and uh, what was it? We didn't we look into with the stories last year, or the year before about the real dirty things they were doing after they got bought out. Oh yeah, because oh, yeah. the buyout didn't include the original brew pub, and they're trying to like sue that brew pub out of existence. Yeah, I think they, I think they ended up just like giving it away to someone else to do something else with it or something. Yeah, it's like real crappy stuff going on. Yeah. All right, so Breckenridge. You, you know what else is? <laughs> I was going to say, do you know what else is crappy? This year? Non-alcoholic Guinness. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Why? Or both of those things. <laughs> you ever want to drink fish enzymes for no reason? Oh, they got rid of the fish enzymes. Oh, yeah, that's right. They're, they're vegan-friendly now. Uh, so, yeah, Guinness released an alcohol-free version of its iconic stout, and I have to ask why. <laughs> why, God, why? Yeah. Because 2020... Because F it all. Haven't you taken enough from us? Uh, First they came for the social interaction, and I said nothing because I didn't like it. Because it put us into a utopia. Because you were like, sure. Then they came for other stuff. I wasn't paying attention. I was too busy being alone. (laughs) Then they came for my alcohol, and that was a step too far. Anyway, another major brand is getting a no, uh, no ABV movement. Uh, on Thursday, Guinness announced they're releasing Guinness 
0.0, which just looks like the the emoji for like a big eye, oh. like shock face, <laughs> like I go, hmm. Uh, non alcoholic version of its fame, world famous stout. Uh, the new alcohol free release is available in the now in the UK and in Ireland, and will roll out in markets worldwide throughout 2020. And I just have to imagine the Ireland looked at it and went, no. So they immediately no. had to export all of it that they had brewed for consumption in Ireland. And then the Irish said, get that crap out of here. They went, here you go. What, wouldn't you like... I can't do an Irish accent right now. <laughs> it's like, wouldn't you like some, some alcohol-free Guinness? I think you're bloody missing the point. Uh, there is, as of publishing this article, uh, no uh, exact date for the wider release. It is also a low, lower calorie option to its regular offering. Guinness was already basically a light beer in terms of calorie. I was going to say, yeah. it was already like one of the best low-calorie beers. Yeah, each containing just 70 calories compared to the 177 calories of the original stout. If 100 calories is going to break you... Why are you drinking? Why are you drinking? Just, yeah, you clearly don't need beer. You need a White Claw. Now, that said, we know people want to enjoy Guinness when they choose not to drink alcohol uh, without compromising on taste. The brand director for Guinness says, uh, who has an accent in her name that I'm not going to try to say. Uh, and so it's an old it's, Irish. I don't know. Uh, with Guinness 0, 0.0, we believe that we're going to be able to do exactly that. The beer, which is generous to call it that, took the brewery four years to develop. Uh, and is brewed as a normal beer before using a cold filtration method to remove the alcohol without compromising the beer's flavor. Okay, new idea. You take the leftover alcohol and you put it into a different beer. And then you make Guinness, you know, 100.100. <laughs> so I guess there's another And we just put 100% more alcohol into it. Before that gets here, you can now on shelves find... I had to look it up because I know I'd seen it. Um... Guinness Imperial Stout aged in bourbon barrels available in four packs right now. And you can also get uh, the Imperial Gingerbread Spiced Stout aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. Nope. Nope. You can... Look, I once said you'll put anything in a barrel and I'll have it, but you can't give me gingerbread. You lose me gingerbread. I have to draw a line somewhere and gingerbread is not good. I love gingerbread. I hate ginger. I don't hate ginger, but I don't like gingerbread. And mom makes cookies every Christmas and keeps wondering why I don't eat them (laughs) and hasn't picked up on the clue in 33 years. (laughs) All right. Give you, I'll give you those cookies. I'll gladly take them. (laughs) (laughs) You just, just shows up on your doorstep, but there's not even a note. Why are there cookies? I would just eat them. I wouldn't ask questions. Yeah, Free cookies. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. Always always end on the, the best ways. So we'd like to remind everyone that this is our news-only show, but we also do a weekly long-form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. And we will see you again in another couple of weeks for the next live episode. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. That's Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.
hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>